Hey, Brian. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Getting, getting settled for this uh, little podcast recording. So exciting. That's right. So, it is um, exciting. Yeah, I know, right? This is my friend, Brian Kilty, and my name is Annie Bencheu, and we are just talking about our process with anti-racism and anti-racist work and really just our process of how we've come to where we are and what we're learning and how we're growing and just inviting others to kind of help inform us, to inviting people of color to inform us on um, wherever they want to correct us or challenge us and also listening to BIPOC voices as they write, as they share, as they podcast, um, and just be able to be willing to grow as people kind of coming to terms with our whiteness and, uh, all of that. So, yeah, it kind of seems like maybe what, as we've talked about the nature of these podcasts, it's you and I just talking about how are we taking in um, the reality of, of whiteness and the impact yeah. upon people of color yeah. and how are we thinking about it? How, how are we trying to make changes as we see they come up? Um, we are definitely not trying to uh, argue as yeah. much as, as acknowledge totally. uh, this has been a long-standing issue in the United States of America. And that as followers of Jesus, we want to respond in a way that is congruent with the heart of God. Yeah. And we very much want to listen and take in yeah. and respond. And this yeah. is just kind of a sharing of that response. Totally. My, my, the most interesting or the like weirdest thing for me is just like, even just seeing whiteness as a thing, yeah. Yeah. like even having like, oh, wow. I, I know racism as a concept of like, you know, really bad people are racist. Like I knew that, but yeah. I didn't know how pervasive it was like in my own thinking or my own, like what I shut myself off from or what I let myself think about or what I don't let myself think about or what I, what I think doesn't concern me. Um, yeah, that's just really been eye-opening and convicting and challenging. And, um, yeah, it's just been really cool and so, uh, kind of a healing journey basically for my own sin with that, that I didn't even know exists yeah. at first, you know, and now going, Oh, cool. What a better picture I have of God and of his creation because of basically seeing my whiteness and seeing, um, just the impact of what that means for people of color in, in the United States and in all around the world. Yeah. It's been yeah, really, it's really good. It's definitely been a, a humbling journey, but also I think an enlightening uh, journey, and nice. and just just glad for the people who've been willing to to share and let us in on their experience, yeah. and and to try to take a a like spiritual formation perspective. Like mm. this is not just a person sharing their story, uh, although it's super significant and important. This is God saying, "Hey, Brian." I want to let you in on something. Yeah. And, and if we can hear it that way, I, th I think it's really, really good. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember who it was. I wish I could give this person credit, but like talking to listening to learning from people that don't look like you sound like you, yeah. you know, live like you shop, like you, like it's so refreshing mm -hmm. and such a more fuller and beautiful picture of humanity, even yeah. to be able to like make room for others 
and other, other way of thinking. I actually just feels like, you know, you talk about spiritual formation. I feel like it's also just maturity, like (laughs) being able to to not be so self or egocentric, um, or even just white centric. Um, it's just, it's good. It's really challenging and really hard. And, and, uh, I'm so glad we're doing this. Yeah. You know, I can't remember if we said this in the last podcast or not, uh, in our first one, but to just offer this, I know there's a lot of like, like anti-racial reconciliation rhetoric out there. That's a long way of saying it. Yeah. And that what often gets heard is, oh, you just want me to hate myself for being white. And I I can't say this enough. If God is the one speaking, Mm -hmm. that's the last thing he's saying. Mm -mm. This is not about Brian and Annie hating themselves for being white. This is just about acknowledging the impact that whiteness has had upon the world for a very long time. And to go, we, we can repent and change the legacy. Yeah. In fact, God is calling us to change that. He's calling us to love our neighbors as ourselves. If he's calling us to suffer with those who suffer and rejoice with those who rejoice, then this, this has to be the way forward. We have to make the change. Totally. I was just going to bring up that loving your neighbor as yourself, because I think I just, I mean, this sounds so terrible to say it out loud, but I really thought loving your neighbor as yourself was like, I literally think in my mind, if I could imagine that it was like, love your white neighbor as yourself. Like, I don't, I know. Right. Right. Yes. But like, but I didn't ever think like, think outside of your socioeconomic, think outside of your ethnicity, think outside of racial lines. Like those are your neighbors. And I mean, even where that comes from in scripture, like it should have cued me in. Yeah. (laughs) I I saw uh, something today. I I think it was from Michelle Ami Reyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was like, you know, Jesus knew lots of languages. He didn't expect anybody to speak his language. Instead, he spoke theirs. And like, what a convicting statement, right? Uh, But that's the idea. Like that's, it's, it is loving your neighbor outside your neighbor that is outside of your racial uh, lines. Yeah. uh, Outside of your skin color. Yeah. Uh, It's, uh, it's, it's pretty important as yourself. Totally. Yes. Love love my my black and brown neighbor with the same quality of love i might have for myself yeah as much as love my female neighbor as yeah. much as love my uh underage neighbor as much as love my you know fill in the blank yeah uh, different status different socioeconomic status whatever it is like neighbor is you know especially um sorry i'm jumping all over please but the parable that jesus told uh, where the Pharisee asked him, you know, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, you know, the second is most important, but is just as important as the first, love your neighbor yourself. And the Pharisee says, well, who's my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And Jesus tells this grand story that, that's become this popularized thing, mm-hmm. the good Samaritan story. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and then Jesus puts the question back to him. So who was the neighbor? <laughs> right. And the Pharisee has to say out loud, I guess the one who cared for the one in need. Yeah. And that that story like intentionally went beyond racial lines, ethnic lines, religious lines, status lines. Yep. It was class. It, yep. All class, of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it broke all the barriers. Totally. And and that is the way forward for us. 
Yeah, that's cool. And then I, I want to jump off of love, like loving your neighbors, yeah. like the word love, like, what does that mean? Like have regard for, have consideration for, like hear, listen, see mm. who they are, know their story, like, like let there be room, you know, for dialogue and conversation and disagreement and, and agreement. Like, what does mm. that really mean? Like just, you know, human kindness. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Okay. So today we're going to be re- looking at the Be the Bridge, Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison. Man, that was one of the books I read early on when we started working, when we started oh. our eyes both, you know, kind of simultaneously, if you will, like opened to yep. this problem. Uh, we've been pastors on staff together at a church. And um, right when George Floyd was murdered, like we were like, whoa, we got to lead our people to to this holistic gospel, basically. Yeah. So Be the Bridge was one of those awesome tools at the beginning. And one of the things that they published are 16 bridge building tips for white people. And bridge building um, in Latasha Morrison's definition is racial reconciliation at its best. Like that, that white people or white leaders would be bridge builders for the reconciliation of, of races in within the church even. That's like right. her heart is for the church to be yep. um, reconciled uh, racially and not divided between race lines, which is uh, just a beautiful, beautiful vision. And so she published the 16 bridge building tips for white people. And um, we're just going to read them and talk about them, see how far yeah. we get. And then we'll do it again, you know, to get through a right. wall. So number one, don't expect people of color to be your only source of education about race. People of color get exhausted explaining the same ideas over and over again. Every time a white person joins the conversation, read a book instead, watch a documentary, Google terms and ideas. If you must hit up your friend of color for insight, at least buy them dinner (laughs) and and really listen to what they have to say. (laughs) Good. Yeah. um, I love that this is number one. And I have to imagine that uh, Tasha was like, you know, if there's a thing that happens most, right. I'm just going to put this right at number one, even if they don't get to number two or number three, could you at least read number one, right? Like how, how often when there's a crisis or a problem, uh, whether it be Ferguson or George Floyd or all the way back to before I was born, okay? Yeah. Um, the white people who actually feel some sense of wokeness or compassion um, go into like fix it mode. Yes. And they go into education mode, good, but they then see any any acquaintance of color as a textbook for information. Yeah. And and how different that is uh, than if we go to a friend and say, would you be willing to share with me your story yeah and i will treat it as sacred yes and i will listen without critique without pushback without defense yeah but but as a way of saying because you are my friend i will suffer with you and i will Mm -hmm. empathize with you Mm -hmm. two very different experiences so true and i'm guessing that this tip number one is written because one of these experiences (laughs) happens more than the other right yeah, totally. And I, I think actually that, um, well, black people and brown people are so tired of being the ones to have to explain anything to any white friends or white acquaintances. Yeah. And then also, 
like I, for some reason, when it comes to race, sometimes people act like they don't know how to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, Oh, what can I do? You have to help me. I don't know. I, and it's like, when, she, when it says Google terms, I just think oh. it's funny. Cause it's like, Oh, we can't find out about, you know, who Ahmad Aubrey is like, we don't know who that is, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can literally anything else that you're looking for information on, you just literally type it into the Google. Like that's yeah. what you do. When my computer's not working, I Google the problem, <laughs> you know? I, I got a laptop uh, recently and the mouse pad wasn't working and I was Googling, my mouse pad won't work, right? And I, and I was obsessive about it until I found the answer and it was really stupid. It was just a button that got pushed that yeah. I just needed to push yeah. again. It was really, really simple. But that we do that. We already Google for education Totally. But somehow when it comes to uh, something like race, and I'm guessing it's because we feel defensive about it. We feel ashamed about it. Protective, we want to yeah. protective yeah. of my good natured personality, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, all of the, the education tactics we normally use, it's like our brain just goes in a different path. It's like totally. now we're now functioning from a different side of the brain. It's not about education and objectivity. It's about defense. It's about survival. It's about protect myself. And it can look in such different ways. So for me, so just thinking about my own story and my journey now, when I hear another beautiful white friend say that they don't know what to do, or they don't know how to like learn, or they don't know how to, I remember feeling like that. Yeah, and it didn't right. feel like an angry spot or like a bad spot or a protective spot. It just, I almost felt like this is where it's like a privileged aloofness. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I don't even know what to do about that. Like yeah. it was like outside, it was like a denial space, like outside of my reality to, pro- to protect me for sure. But I didn't, I didn't cognitively know that. And so now I can go, oh yeah, two, three years ago. I mean, very recent. I would have just been like, I don't really know what to do about that problem. Even yeah. though every other problem in my life, I can figure it out. I can read a book. I can find an author. I can find a website. I can Google <laughs> search things. Yep. And then I want to say one more thing and then we can move to the second one. Sure. But um, every time now I meet with a person of color for coffee or friendship, I always feel just a little bit. And I, this is a confession, I think here. So uh, anytime a person of color wants to correct me, please do. Um, But the confession is, I feel a little bit like, I'm so sorry that you have to be, (laughs) not that you have to be (laughs) friends with me, but like that you're friends with me. Like that, I'm just so sorry. I don't say it out loud, but I kind of feel a little bit of like compassion for them that they are like engaging in friendship with this white girl who doesn't, doesn't, hasn't been seeing the world the through, through their the way they've been seeing it and not that I can but you know what I mean like so there's a little part of me that's like thank you for being my friend <laughs> yeah totally because I'm sure that this you've done this before yes I'm sure you've suffered this before yes I'm sure you've been burned by this before totally Brian totally I, I think for me there's even like the the unconscious apology that I've never really thought to voice till now mm. uh, which is I I'm sorry, I haven't paid attention or felt the need to pay attention. Uh, yes. I'm sorry that I, I don't know what it's like, that I haven't thought through what it's like. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry that I have been more of a 
And I like it wasn't overt, it was unconscious, totally. but we're still accountable for yes. our unconscious thoughts and actions, right? Yes. But it was that like it it's not in my periphery, it's not happening to me. Right. It's um, I I haven't um worked that empathy muscle yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. And that's it's kind of horrifying to yeah. come yeah. to terms with. Yeah. And how long have you had to bear the burden of my yes. yeah. You know, yeah. That sucks. Totally. That's good. It's a good one. So uh, you thank know, you to the bridge and Latasha uh, for that. Well, yeah. yes. And that I would just say like, you just said it. So, but there's lots of education tools out there. Be the bridge being one for sure. Yes. We're using yeah. that, yeah. but lots, lots. Totally. It, there so is enough out there. If you can start from the premise that racism is a current reality. Yeah. There is lots, lots uh, of stuff out there of generous, wonderful, yes. kind yes. and compassionate leaders, uh, people of color that will lead us through. Like, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. Watch a documentary, read a book, Google terms. I love it. Buy, <laughs> buy, your, yes. buy, your, buy your person of color friend dinner. Like that's, yes. pretty, that's pretty good. Okay, number two, don't take up too much metaphorical space in the conversation. Yes, this is hard for verbal processors. Like <laughs> me, mm-hmm. we don't know how we, we we know you have important things to say, but white people's ideas and stories are prioritized everywhere else. Mm. Take this opportunity to sit quietly and elevate the voices of people of color. So I'm going to guess that the, the triggering phrase in this paragraph is white people's ideas and stories are prioritized everywhere else. Yeah. I, I think there is a we kind of have to accept that as true. It is true. Um, and, and I think when we do, when we look around and see that that's true, then to start going, you know what? I bet you it would be helpful if I shut up more. Yes. I don't have, I don't always have to offer my perspective. I don't always have to share my story. I don't always have to be represented yeah. because because I'm always represented. Totally. It was one of our conversations, actually, when we started to talk about doing this podcast together, we were like, we're two white people, like, should we really be doing this? White people take up lots of space. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really like, our intention is like, we do want to highlight people of color and their voices and their leadership. And Mm -hmm. we do want to um, hopefully process our own um, as we're coming to understand whiteness and racial issues, um, we want to process that ourselves, but we want to invite other white people to maybe hear their own story when within our stories and maybe, maybe come to some of those spots that are really vulnerable of confession and repentance and, and action. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe we want to do that. And so it is, uh, we will, we'll be having some people of color on our podcast so that we can hear from them, but we'll be yeah. talking about, um, mostly authors, writers, uh, friends, neighbors, all those people. So yeah, that's good. Don't take up too much space in the conversation. Um, number three, don't compare your experience of oppression or suffering with the person of color's experience with oppression or suffering. Okay. I'm going to read that bulleted point or bold point again. And yeah, I, the description. I think it's actually, a, it's a good follow-up to number two that we yeah. just read. Like, this is how we totally. often take up too much space. Exactly. Don't compare good, 
Yes, Brian, thank you. Don't compare your experience of oppression or suffering with the person of color's experience with oppression or suffering. Okay, here's where here's some notes on it from Latasha Morrison. Although you might see similarities between your circumstances, resist the urge to interpret the experiences of a person of color through your limited lens. Your suffering is real and it might help you to feel more connected to a to or empathetic toward your friend of color, but your experiences are not the same. Continue to listen and seek to understand. It's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. That there's, there's something about the nature and skill of empathy. I think that we've been taught, which is to see myself in the other person's shoes is to, can I see that maybe I've experienced the same thing? I mean, that, that is how a tactic to getting to an empathetic space. Yeah. But again, I think we're so as white people so used to being uh, even unconsciously, ignorantly, intentionally, even uh, dominant, mm-hmm. that we don't realize how quickly and how much we can take up the space just by sharing our experience. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, our, our friend, our black or brown friend has just now felt, felt minimized in our attempt to see them. Yeah. Oh, and that's that's hard. Yeah. And, and, and she's just calling out, like, I get it. Like she's even being kind. I get yes. it. You're trying okay. to empathize. Mm-hmm. And yes, of course we want you to, but your first and best act is to just listen. Totally. Totally. Um, and that to know this is where it's like, I think a lot of times white people in America can think that they know. Yeah. So how about, you know, this one thing, white people, how about, you know, that you don't know yeah. that you actually can't know what it's like. Yeah. Um, I had a professor, I think I've told you the story um, in seminary, a black man. He was amazing, very um, charismatic. And he was asking a question about our, our friends or the people in our lives, the people of color in our lives. And I told him in front of the whole class that my daughter is Mexican-American, that she's brown. And he, (laughs) I don't know what I said. I don't remember what I said. I'm sure it was completely, it was probably a microaggression at the best. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But he like leaned over my desk and like almost like jumped in my face and said, you will never know what it's like to be Mexican and my how to have brown skin in this world. You will never know as her mother. And I just was like, I remember feeling like I don't understand what's happening right now, but it's such an important moment in my life to look back on in Mm -hmm. my process with, you know, my adopted daughter who's Mexican, Mm -hmm. who's brown and beautiful and wonderful. So it's just kind of funny to think about when he's, when he offered that wisdom to me, I didn't really know what he meant, honestly. And so it's been like a process of growing years and years and years of growing into like, oh, she actually sees the world through different lens and different eyes. And, and it's, it's embarrassing to kind of come to and go like, you know, you know, recently because of Be The Bridge has a a transracial adoption um, handbook basically. Mm -hmm. And just coming to terms with like, oh my gosh, no, I said to my daughter, I said, no, well, you're brown in a white family. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I know mom. Yeah. Right. 
it's so embarrassing like even that is like the filter of whiteness like is so um can be paramount in our world and it just doesn't you know the black and brown people in our lives it shuts them down i I think it's because no matter what example i think i can share Mm -hmm. and i and i have a few Mm -hmm. um my 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 friends of color would say yeah but brian are you in those situations now yeah yeah for a moment or a season oh, yes temporarily maybe even a good portion of your life mm. you had a a filter somewhat similar to mine mm. but you were able to take that filter off mm-hmm. and and what your professor was trying to share with you what pe- friends of color have tried to share with me is brian you can you can remove the filter I can't. Mm-hmm. I live with the filter. It is unconscious. And so whatever experience you're about to share to try to relate with me, I promise you it's not the same. Yeah. And you could have, even if you have a similar filter, you also have the white one. Yeah. That's that right. never goes away. That is actually um, often prioritized yeah. in the world at large. Not maybe not in a specific individual or maybe not in a specific system, but for the most part, that white filter will never go away. So even if you have a oppressed filter, if you will, or a yeah. you know non-dominant whatever, yeah. you still have as a white person, you still have that white filter. So yeah. that's it's it's really cool to really take really take that humility of that the fact that I do not know, I do yeah. not know how it is for you. And that, that is often what our, our friends will share with us is that, you know, Brian, you're, I'm used to your experience being primary. Mm-hmm. And so if you share your experience to relate with me, it, all, it, all it really does is remind me that your, your experience is primary. Primary, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, Mm-hmm. then, then I, it means I love them with the quality of love I have for myself and the way that they need to be loved and heard. Yeah. Totally. And that means I, I can, I can, I can not share this story in this instance. I don't have to. Yeah. You could save that for any other white dominant <laughs> room. <laughs> I think, I think, and this maybe goes in general, anytime someone tells you how you can love them, and you choose to do something else. Is it really loving? No, no, it's really not. not. Of course not. Okay. Number four, don't white explain. Oh, another one. Are we doing that now? Is that what we're doing? Are we white explaining? Well, let's read the definition. (laughs) Okay. I I don't think so. Okay. Um, Do not explain racism to a person of color. Okay. Amen. Amen. Gotcha. White people do not white explain. Do not explain racism to a person of color. Do not explain how the microaggression they just experienced was actually just someone being nice. Mm. Do not explain how a particular injustice is more about class than race. It is an easy trap to fall into, but you can avoid it by maintaining a posture of active listening. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a really, that's a really tough one. I think, um, I know how it, how I think I probably used to do it a a lot. Actually, I probably, I don't even know how many times I probably broke that, that rule, that tip that don't, don't white explain because so often we can say, 
you know what? It could have been this other thing. And we do that for ourselves. Like, I think even a part of our own maturity and growth, we say like, oh, maybe that person didn't give me the stink eye. Maybe they just had a bad day and we're feeling cranky or whatever. Like we kind of try to like do that. Mm -hmm. But when some, when a person of color is explaining something that happened to them, that is that they know is racially charged, they know. That's another thing that we don't have any idea. Like we cannot even, we can't say what that person, oh, I have an example from my daughter who's a person of color. This is helpful. So we were sitting at dinner one day at um, a, a fancy restaurant, a really fancy restaurant for one of my kids' birthday. And my daughter was getting more and more like hunched over and like kind of went in on herself so that she couldn't, you know, like she just looked sad and scared and something. And so I asked her, Hey, what's going on for you? And she said, mommy, that woman at that table keeps looking at me and she looks like she thinks I don't belong here. Mm. And it was so hard for me to not you know, and I actually, you know what, Brian, I'm going to just confess. I'm pretty sure I totally white explained and said, oh, maybe it's something else. Mm-hmm. But like in my gut, like I kind of knew that she was having an experience that maybe I didn't understand. Like whether if it was that she was a brown child in a white family or, or just that she was a brown child in this room, I don't know. But whatever yeah. that interaction was, my daughter was seeing through her Mexican-American eyes yeah. You know what I mean? That I, I probably, I'm not sure I'm having a real life, um, moment of, hmm, did <laughs> I, yeah. I need to confess that and go to her and apologize for that. Cause yeah, that was hard. Cause we don't know. We don't, we don't deal with it every day as white people. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I think, mm. I think that's really helpful. That's a, that's a live action example of, <laughs> of what this is talking about. Yeah. You know, what's funny, I think if I know for myself, like I, I hate it when people make assumptions about me Mm. and, and so I try to work hard to not make assumptions about another person's intentions. Yeah. The problem is, is that when we then try to offer to uh, someone who's not like us hey, have you ever thought about, hey, have you ever thought about, don't you think it's this? Don't you think it's this? We're the ones actually operating from a place of ignorance. Yeah, yeah. Because we've just discredited uh, the number three and the number two, uh, you know, which is this person of color has learned how to live with a filter. Totally. Um, We we had a friend uh, share with us um, about... um, being a volunteer in a classroom and 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 you just you just grow up knowing what it looks like when a person is is afraid of she she grew up learning how to detect when a person was afraid of her color of her skin yes, color yes exactly there's just, and, there's tells there's cues yeah i love your example brian because for you being this is what i think is important about it for us for white people it's you're part of the dominant culture. So you have a little bit of, dare I say, privilege that you get to say, oh, I don't like it when people make assumptions about me. So I'm not going to, I'm going to try my best to not make assumptions about others. Like that is a bit privileged in in itself. And if I hear, 
you know, uh, a, a friend of color sharing their experience and, and I go and I take that same track. Well, let's not make an assumption about what they're thinking. They're like, if I don't, I die. Yeah. Or I'm going to be ostracized. I'm going to be marginalized. There's a, there's a readiness that I don't have to have. Totally. Exactly. It's and, really and good. still like it, it'd be different. I think it would be different if, if a person of color is sharing with another person of color, I had this experience. If your daughter was sharing with another Mexican-American mm-hmm. and, and in the, right in that moment, like maybe that friend might go, oh, I think she was just looking at something else. Sure. Or a, if it's a good friend, just go, well, let's, let's figure out how to deal with this together. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, I it's think different. Yeah. What I've heard person. from people of color is that they know they get it with each other. Yeah, that's right. That they like, they understand the nuance uh-huh. of knowing about, about that, that you and I have never had to feel or experience because of the color of our skin. And I think every time a friend, a black or brown friend is sharing with us, they're hoping, well, maybe this one time, mm-hmm. maybe this one time they'll get it they'll believe and know me. it and believe me and join me in this, like how my other black and brown friends do. Totally. Oh, so good. And that's always, it seems to be what they're hoping for. And our legacy is to not do that. Yeah, that's true. That's a hard one. Uh, Yeah. After we recorded this podcast, we sent it to our really good friend, Mariah Sinclair Humphreys. She's indigenous woman of the Muskoke tribe, and she works for Be The Bridge, um, who we dearly love and have learned so much from and got these 16 tips from. And we sent it to her just to get her feedback and just to kind of double check to make sure it's okay that we talk about the 16 tips on our podcast, Wide Awakening. And she sent me some really good feedback about what I shared about my daughter. And we just want to share it with you real quick here. Hey guys, I listened to your podcast, um, but something just made me think about, um, I, I thought about this whenever I heard it and I should have message, messaged you then, but something I just um, was talking about with somebody reminded me that I need to let you know. Um, it was Annie when you were talking about your daughter when you guys were at the fancy restaurant and she thought that somebody was looking at her or people were looking at her like they did not want her to be there. And you were like, oh, and you kind of gaslit her a bit, just to be frank. Um, and you're like, that's, you know, I'm sure they're just looking at you because you're pretty or I'm sure that's not what, you know, they intended it to be. Um, so I just wanted to like walk you through just very briefly um, uh, to confirm to you that that's exactly how she was feeling. That that's exactly what was going on with her. And so I wanted to share a little bit how you can tell or how um, a person of color can tell. You know how we can tell like when someone's looking at us, you know, just in general, just people in general. Um, people, you know, looking at us, trying to figure out who we are, right? Because we've done that to other people. It's like, who are you? I'm trying to figure out. They keep glancing over all that kind of stuff. You can kind of get that vibe of like, yeah, they're trying to figure out who I am. Well, as females, Brian, you won't understand this, but um, Annie will. So as females, there's a shift in look as well. And we can often tell when someone's looking at us because we're pretty or because we're attractive, you know, or they like how we're dressed. Something like appearance wise that is like pleasing and you can kind of tell by the way that they're looking at you and you get that vibe from them. You're like, they're looking at me because I I look fantastic, you know? 
Um, so you can kind of also get that feeling as well. And that's very clear. That can't, That's not mistaken for, oh, I'm trying to figure out who you are. You're like, no, they're looking at me because I look nice. And you can just tell. And then that enters into how BIPOC can tell how people are looking at them um, because of racism. It is oftentimes, um, uh, you know, similar to, oh, they're looking at me because I'm pretty. Well, females as well can also get the heavy vibe um, from looks and just feeling when someone's looking at them, when it's something um, more, a little bit more sinister. They're looking at you because they're, um, you know, very attracted to you, like an eerie kind of attracted, like an unwanted attracted. Um, and so women can like sense that as well, where they're looking at you. And I guess men too. Um, I'm not a man, so I can't speak from that perspective, perspective, but, um, you know, women also face that and they can tell it makes you very uncomfortable. And you're like, they were definitely looking at me, um, more than, oh, they're attractive. It was a very un unnerving, a very uncomfortable, um, feeling. That's the same way that BIPOC feel with racism. And so as your daughter was sitting there, um, she's very aware. It, it doesn't matter if, if anyone walks in and says, I'm the only brown person here. I am always very aware of when I walk into a space of how many people of color are there. It doesn't change necessarily my comfort level um, because I do navigate in white spaces. And so I can walk into an entirely white room and be like, good grief, it's all a bunch, of, a bunch of white people. I don't have to vocalize it. I don't even have to act like I'd recognize that, but I do because you're very aware of who you are within a space. Um, and the same thing goes with these looks when people are giving you um, because it's about your race. And I can't explain it other than those other ways that females can understand um, those looks of attractiveness versus... Um, uh, like desire or um, attraction that way. So just to encourage you, Annie, um, that is that is exactly what happened with your daughter. And every time that we share that with a white friend or a white spouse, a white sibling, um, oftentimes um, it is it is more blown off of like, oh, I'm sure that's not what it was, honey. You know, don't worry about it. Um, and so when doing that, you're, you're telling that person, um, you, you are not aware of your feelings. You are not aware of racism. You're not aware of, um, your place within this racialized society. Um, because so it's frustrating when people say not everything's about race. I'm like, no, you're absolutely right. But we can sure tell when it is, you know, so, um, so I just want to encourage you in that to, um, to confirm that, yeah, that's exactly what she was feeling like. I have felt that way before. Thank you so much, Mariah, for that feedback. It just confirmed if you, um, if you remember just a couple minutes ago, I was talking about how that was a real life, um, awareness of my breaking tip number four of white splaining. I definitely followed up with my daughter after I got that note from Mariah and just said, Noelle, I just need you to know you were absolutely right. And I didn't understand, but my other friend who's a person of color explained it to me and I am hundred percent got your back. You know, when you are being discriminated against you, it's just something, you know, as a person of color. And it was really, it was really, really, really sweet to confess that to my daughter and to um, 
just apologize and then and then to edit this podcast to let you all know this is this is the work this is what Brian and I are willing to do we want people of color to give us feedback let us know where we're misstepping and give us an opportunity to confess repent and um, make it right so I'm really grateful that Mariah spoke up and that I can um, do better. I'm actually really, really excited about what that means for my relationship with my kid. So I'm grateful. Okay, I'm going to go to number five. Um, Don't make the conversation about you. The needs, feelings, questions, priorities of white people are centered most everywhere. If you feel silenced or undervalued, use that experience to inform how you treat people of color in other spaces instead of developing a victim complex. Wow, this is a very large ask, Latasha Morrison. (laughs) We are total babies. But like, really, that is a really intense sentence. Uh, I'll keep reading though. The falling of white tears, in quotes, does not build bridges and it shifts the focus from the true problem, racism and and inequality to how you feel about having to learn about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is like so easy and I... I'm tempted to do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you know, how, um, how, how is this different from genuine like remorse that leads to repentance? Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, ge- the, like the genuine grief over sin yeah. that leads to repentance. That's good. Because that, that is a, that concept, that's a biblical concept. Totally. That's not what Latasha's talking about here. She's right. talking about something different. She's talking about something about, oh, you've just told me hard, something difficult. And now I've made a scene about it. Yes. About how bad I am. Yes. Right? Yes. And it's, I think, I think in that moment, like we have a choice if we are self-controlled, which, yeah. you know, as Christ followers, we hope that we are growing in that. that we can put aside our own process with that and our own feelings and our own experience to prioritize the person of color as they are, as they are sharing, as they are, you know, informing us of their story um, so that we don't turn to make it the victim complex about us. Yeah. It's, it's actually pretty easy to do that, but it's also, it's even more easy, I would say, to not know you're doing it. Yeah. So it's like, how do I, how do I grow in that area? And maybe just to practice that behavior of like, I'm going to just keep it about you. Yeah. This, this thing that we're talking about, I'm going to keep it about you and my own, like Brian, what you said about my own conviction and my remorse and my, um, my repentance, even I'm going to do that later with the Lord. I'm going to do that later with a white friend. I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? In my safe spaces that I can just not make this conversation about me yeah you know what i think is interesting here is is what latasha has written here that she's asking for 
is actually how healthy relationships work. Yes. <laughs> it, they're just asking for it to work the way all relationships work. So if I, if I wrong my wife in some way, she's not looking for a big crying display from me to show that I'm sorry. Mm. What she wants is a validation that it was wrong and an admittance of grief and then a commitment to not do that again and then action that follows up that statement Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean i can't grieve but but the the overt display of lament at this moment now just causes in any relationship it causes the person to feel like they now have to care for me yeah and that that's misguided like that's that's disruptive yeah it's it's actually can be a part of like often like um traumatizing relationships Hmm. um the person that's trying to share can be um like overtaken by the person that's maybe like offended even you know what i mean and then like you can see like that and like oh my gosh even like the the oh ridiculous i don't want to say ridiculous that's not quite the right word like you said, like the display of yeah. like emotion or, you know, begging for forgiveness or something weird like that. Like all of that makes it now all the focus is on me and not yeah. on the pain that you just shared and the importance of you as a person, like the value that you are as a person. Yeah. Instead, now the focus is on me getting my need of to be forgiven even or, or right. my need to like, feel like you're okay with me or something something weird there that's really really unhealthy really important there's probably just to zoom out like a good general practice for all human beings to reconsider uh reconciliation like Mm -hmm. how how do we take ownership for our wrong Mm -hmm. how do we apologize how do we repent and how do we and it's in a repentance that changes the course of action in a way that is that is keeping the attention on the wrong not on the wrongdoer yes yes and that that i would say just in general for humanity is a weak practice we're totally not good at that yeah that's why i was like wow she's really asking a lot of us but i mean obviously (laughs) she's not but this this line particularly if you feel silenced or undervalued use that experience to inform how you treat people of color in other spaces yes and even that phrase of like like, hey, white people, do you feel silenced or undervalued right now? I wonder if other people feel that way all the time. <laughs> right in your life. Well, oh, you feel like that for this moment? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, so let's hold on to that. What do you think it's like to feel that all the time? It's like she's inviting us to empathy there, really. Yeah, yes. Like, how about you take that if you're feeling these things, which I think it's neat to, uh, to admit that when you don't make the conversation about you, yeah. which, which we, as white people, we can do all the time, mm-hmm. you might feel silenced or undervalued. Oh, like I'm not going to get to share my story right now. Yeah. What a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Let's, uh, that's a hard one. It feels like you know what? Some of these, I feel like we could do a whole 45 minute podcast on because yeah, we totally could. Because there's so much there. Um, let's, let's read one more. Let's read one. Okay. More. All right. Um, number six, uh, don't equate impact with intent. 
oh, Latasha, you know what? She's just given us like good boundaries 101. <laughs> like, this is just like grow up people. It's uh-huh. so good. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, this is the description. Yes, we all know your heart was in the right place. And that you met well, mm-hmm. but your words or behavior had a negative impact on those around you. And that is what matters. Despite the best of intentions, as you navigate conversations of race, you will make mistakes and missteps and hurt someone. Humbly apologize and do better next time rather than dig your heels in or try to justify yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is another one where they're just like asking for common human decency. Here. <laughs> right. Like, uh and, and and like to be honest like i don't i don't even treat the many white people i know this way when it comes yeah. to an apology i'm often expecting you to afford me grace by what you assuming i had a good intent yeah. if you would just assume i had good intent then we wouldn't be having this conversation right now mm-hmm. and the conversation is actually never about the intent it's always about the impact yeah. And so that if that is our practice with each other, just in general as white people, mm-hmm. how much more so must it be with anybody of any other ethnicity or, or heritage mm-hmm. or race? A non-dominant culture, yeah. Yes. Uh, because if that's how we treat and normal, then of course this is how we respond here. Well, I didn't mean it like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The, the damage is still done. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I think I heard... Um, Oh, I wish I could remember who it was. Uh, it was definitely a person of color in a podcast, but they were like, you don't intend to crash into someone Mm-mm. when you're yeah. driving your car. Of course. I mean, I mean, maybe you do, but in normal circumstances, yeah. we don't intend to hit another car with our car, but the accident does happen. And I still have to take responsibility, even if for causing the accident, even if I didn't intend to. Totally. And, and that, like, that's a base level of just accountability. Yeah. And I, I like that she started with, yes, we all know your heart was in the right place. Yes. Like, like you're saying about the, unless you're a crazy person, like 99.9% of us don't mean to crash our car into people. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so we all know your heart was in the right place. Yes. Like you didn't mean to hurt me when you said that or did that, mm-hmm. but the, I just, I'm letting you know that it actually damages our relationship. Right. When, when you continually do ABC, like yeah. when yeah. you, when you say things like this, or when you do things like this, or when you act this way, or when you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, so I'm letting you know that I, I mean, you can do this with your children too. I'm letting you know that when this happens, you and I, like, we don't have trust or, or yeah. freedom of fellowship. Like we don't have, there's not peace between us. Like it's, it's a little, it's a little, um, I don't know what the word is frazzled or or painful between us when you not that you mean to do it just that you the impact on me is that I can't be that close with you and and how lovely would it be to be able to say those true things to each other yeah but to like give that generosity of like we all know your heart was in the right place right like you had the best of intentions except for so Brian how are you um when someone does that with you like it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of go, okay, Annie, how is it? How is it when somebody comes to you and says, you misstepped there and you hurt me and how do I go? Okay. I'm going to humbly apologize and do better next time. 
rather than dig in your heels or try to justify yourself? Oh, probably depends on who you talk to. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example for us because I think we've been called out a couple times in the last couple of years on this. In, in regards to like races. Yeah. 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 And I think that it feels a little bit for me, like I have to go through the motions of that. Like I might feel like the desire to explain my intention or explain what I meant by that. And maybe sometimes I do, and I'm not even aware, but I think <laughs> the times that I've done it well, quote unquote, air quotes is when I just go, I'm sorry, I'm going to do better next time. But then later I have to go really think through like what I did wrong and what, you know what I mean? Kind of process like out why that was so painful for that person and it's it's difficult it takes work yeah <laughs> are you thinking you know, of the um, time or no uh like you said uh we we've been pastors on staff at a church um and i remember pretty early on uh we had a um we had a food closet yeah. um and that didn't survive just because of the, the volunteer structure you know eventually it did, we weren't able to staff it but while we had it um if if someone came asking for food we could prepare a bag of food and this one particular time i was actually trying to leave we were a one-car family my wife was in the car at the curb with our two small children ready to pick me up and here was a person at the door and he was black and and he'd come a couple of times okay and uh and i was like shoot you know all right so i go inside and i prepare a bag and come back out and that was our policy we weren't we would prepare the bag of food and bring it out because um letting someone a a homeless person in all of a sudden they'll they'll stay then they're not leaving fast yeah they like to hang out yeah yeah and so i bring the bag out and and he starts looking at the bag and he just starts going through it and throwing stuff on the ground that he doesn't want and i just said come on man don't just throw it on the ground and and then he was like oh you're just treating me horribly is this because i'm black and and just you know went off on it and of course i got upset uh because uh i don't know if it's okay to say it now or whatever it is but i was it's just and the the term white fragility was strong with me we'll just yeah. put it that way like yeah i didn't i didn't understand how to do how to process that yeah and um you know i got upset the accusation him. that it was because of his yeah. race yeah yeah in my mind i was irritated because one i'm just trying to get in my car and go home okay yeah. i'm i'm doing you a favor by getting food out of this food closet you can hear yeah. the arrogance yes yeah. um and now you're just throwing the food on the ground like what why did i do this if you're just going to throw food in the ground and he's like well if you would let me come in i could have got what i want you know it's that whole the system's yeah. broke right yeah but in the car ride home all i'm thinking about is how he accused me of being racist mm -hmm. and i want to prepare my defenses mm. uh and i want to say no it wasn't about that it was, it was about this mm -hmm. and and whether or not it was about whatever i wanted to make it about yeah there was still no awareness on my part of the filter he's had to live with for his Absolutely. entire life. Up That's to that good. Point. Yeah. And, and more than likely, I, there's no way I can say it was 
that there was that it wasn't about racism for me. Mm -hmm. There's I I'm learning that better now. Yeah. There's no way I can 100% say that there wasn't a, a bit of truth to what he was saying. Sure. At that moment, I didn't think it was about him being black. At this moment, I d I don't think it was about that. At the same time, though, even just saying that, someone's going to come. I, I imagine someone's going to call me out of this, Brian. You know what? That was it. You don't know the degree of racism that was that was present in that moment. Sure. And and I think that that's what I'm having to come to terms with. Yeah. Well, and and in this number six, Brian, you can have all the best intentions. Right. You're trying to get in the car with your family. It's the policy to just load up a bag and hand it to the person. Yeah. But the impact was still. He still felt disregarded. He felt disregarded. He felt undervalued. He felt unnoticed. Yeah. He felt pro uh, like a project. Yeah. And I, I can call it whatever I want. I can say sure. whatever my intentions were. Yeah. The impact exactly. was still disregard. Totally. And, and if I can admit that, then why not admit all of his perspective of the situation is true. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, I think that, that, that's the, that's the story that's coming to mind. I think that's cool and that I'm having to, I think, admit and confess and be like, Oh man. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's the asking God to reveal, okay, how racist am I? Mm -hmm. And God goes, well, let's revisit this story. Yeah, totally. Let's, let's go back to here. Let's revisit this interaction. Mm -hmm. And I have to have to come clean on that, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Oh, Brian, that's so good. That's so good because what like I mean, I don't I don't know at all. But like if that person would not have been a person of color, would you have, you know, I don't know. It's so hard. But Yeah, but I I think I like there's that. still letting like him you, have his in, impact. Yes. That, and that's the deal. I can say all I want. I did not intend to be racist, mm -hmm. I, that my intention wasn't racist. That's not, that's the intention is not what's in question. It's yes. the impact. Yeah. The impact is that it felt racist. Mm -hmm. And that is what I have to, I have to listen without being defensive. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if there's any, any, any white people listening to this wanting to come to my defense yeah uh let's how about we just don't do that yeah that's good how about we instead let's just <laughs> let let his statement stand on its own yeah between him and god You're right and i i don't have to i don't have to worry about maybe it's not true instead mm -hmm. i can just accept he was explaining the impact of my actions right and next time when this happens now yeah. you get to go Oh, I can, whether you say anything different or do anything different, you can hear his feedback yeah, that's right. as the impact it's having on him. Yeah. It's like, I am having a racially charged racist moment from you Yeah, and you can hear it that way and hold it with compassion. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when that happened, you get to, you know, you did whatever with it. Right. It's cool. It's just show it to me. It just shows growth. And man, um, is this weird? I just want to pray for that guy as we close. <laughs> yeah. Cause I haven't seen him in 15 years. So he hasn't <laughs> been around 
in a very long time. I'm like, I wonder why. Why hasn't it come around again? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. That's that's silly. We're in downtown area. People come and go all the time. But let me let me pray for him and then we'll just wrap up. That'd be cool. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, God, just uh, thank you for that story. Thank you for how hard and how vulnerable and how good this whole process is of just coming to terms with this very difficult um, uh, learning. God, would you um, cover us with your grace as you always do and um, help us be better at seeing the impact that has on people of color. Just the, just the, just all the places where black and brown voices are quieted and white voices are prioritized Mm -hmm. just has such a huge impact on all of our relationships and all of our structures in the world. And so God, would you, would you help us? Would you help us bring your restorative holistic gospel to all of these places, especially to this man, wherever he is, Lord, would you just give him your love and your peace? Um, I just pray that he, um, no matter what he's doing and where he's at, God, that he would know that he is dear and beloved by you and, yeah. and us too right now in this moment. That just feels yeah. really good. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Brian, for chatting with me. We got yeah. through six, so we'll do this again. And yeah. thanks, uh, thanks everybody for listening. And I'll just say this because I'll probably be in a routine of saying it. If you're a person of color and you have a challenge for us that something we said or brought to light uh, for us was racist in any way or offensive in any way, we are here to be corrected. Please um, feel free to share with us your experience of that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll be back yeah. next time. And uh, thank you in advance for yes. uh, sharing with us. Yes. Um, we, we need it. It's true. It would be our honor to hear. So, yeah. Okay. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining okay. us today. Bye. Bye.